0: My name is Julian Dobson. I'm a writer and researcher. My background is in journalism. I started out in local papers many moons ago, back in Kent. ended up in London uh, working for a range of magazines um, and increasingly specialising in local government and public services. And back at the end of the 1990s, I got together with two colleagues and set up a magazine called New Start which was about community regeneration. And the idea behind New Starts was to bring together uh, a whole range of, of partners from very different sectors who were interested in creating better places. And the ethos of that magazine was to try and create a kind of equal platform for people who might be in local government, who might be community activists, who might be academics or thinkers, who might be in central government and policymaking, and actually start to create a much more equal conversation about how do you create better places. So I was involved in that for 10 years. And for the last... Six or seven years, I've mainly been working independently and um, uh, working entirely independently, really, for the the last five years or so.
1: And um, what's wrong with our high streets today? Why did you feel you needed to write a book about what we could do about them?
0: I've... um... As I say, I'm, I'm interested in what creates good places. And if you look, if you want to get a feel for how a place is working, uh, the high street, the town centre, gives you a very good idea of what's working well and what's not working well. It doesn't tell you everything, but it, 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 give, it unlocks, I think, a range of issues about how the town, how the place is working. Uh, and so I've been interested in this for quite a long time. And um, back in 2011, uh, when David Cameron asked Mary Porters to do her review of The High Streets, I uh, got a bunch of people together uh, to put in a submission to that review. And uh, that bunch of people included uh, quite a, a, a range of interests. But it included people like Pam Walhurst from Incredible Edible. Uh, it included a guy called Dan Thompson, um who runs something called Artists and Makers, and uh, was previously running something called the Empty Shops Network and looking at new uses for empty shops, uh, and people who were interested in 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 looking at, at new angles of how how to use space within town and city centres. So, um, looking at what's wrong with the high street, what 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 do we what were the issues that, that we were trying to highlight? Um, first of all, I think, is the conception of the high street purely as a retail space. So the, the kind of colonisation of town centres entirely by shopping has actually stripped away a lot of the public realm, a lot of the, the civic society that used to be central to, to town centres. And so what we were talking about really was a rebalancing of the activities that go on in town centers so so that you you've actually got something for everyone and so that you protect the um the activities and 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 the buildings and the spaces where people can do things other than shopping and and to to start to to think of what creates space in a much much wiser uh context than 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 purely this this retail approach which is very much driven uh, not only by the retail industry, but by the property industry, uh, and and is um, premised on making quick capital gains from the building and the selling off of retail premises. So, so really, what we were trying to do is challenge that approach and say that that actually there's a whole lot of other things that have community value that need to be in the high streets.
1: You you wrote um, the f- I love it, the the, the words you said the flatulent promise of retail led development uh, is a powerful yes. one and uh, it entices planners and governments. It's very sort of uh, to- uh, what's the word sort of attractive to them. What's In- the best What's the best way to challenge that myth that all you need is a, a glittering shopping centre and everything will be okay?
0: Well, I, I think part of it is is history. It hasn't always been this way. Um, that so in terms of looking at how things could be different first of all you've got to remind people that things have been different they haven't always been like this uh, secondly you need to start thinking about what actually creates a local economy so the, the idea that the economy is created through retail is is nonsense so what what retail does is it scoops off people's disposable income. And that I mean that's great. We all need to buy stuff. We all like to go to places where there are nice things to buy. So I'm not knocking shopping. I'm not saying let's get rid of all the shops. But but the, the shopping is not the economy. Um, the shopping is what happens if the economy is successful. So how can town centres once again be places which are at the heart of a local economy where people are producing where people have a sense of ownership of their space, where people have a sense of civic responsibility within their space. Uh, so, so that the goods that are being produced in a place can can be sold in a place, so that you've got that localization that, that you talk about a lot with the Tottenham's local economic blueprint. Uh, and where 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 you've got a sense of pride that's um, that that comes from people actually Working to to build and to to create spaces that are good for people. So so it's um, it, it's it's very much about saying that you know, the shopping, if you like, is the icing on the cake. But you've got to have the cake. You've got to have the activity that makes a place function well, and you've got to have the activity that makes a place function well for everyone, and not just for the people who are well off.
1: You wrote. Um real hope inv- avoid- involves getting your hands dirty what did you mean by that
0: um I mean that we need to have experimentation and we we need to have we need to have people who are prepared to get stuck in in whatever way they they can do and whatever way they, they have the ability and the talents and the contacts to do so um one of the examples that I use and as, as you know is one that I've Um, been paying quite close attention to for some time is incredible edible todmerton incredible edible is literally people getting their hands dirty uh, by planting fruit and veg in public places which, which actually creates a sense of the place the possibility of the place being different not just by saying here is food to share which challenges the idea that that the success of a place is all about buying and selling, but it actually changes physically changes the space in the town. It actually changes the look. It changes the feel of the place. So, so, um, so actually doing things that are visible that are physical is really important. That's why reusing empty shops is really useful. Not not just because. Um, because it makes them look nice but because it shows people that there are different ways of doing things it shows people that there's stuff that can happen so so that's really what i mean by getting your hands dirty it's it's actually saying how can we be involved in starting to uh, to create and to spread these experiments and and obviously people have different skills and abilities so um, not everyone can go out and plant fruit and vegetables. Not everyone can do street art. They, you know, not not everyone can do things in empty shops. But but we can all do things that help to make these experiments happen.
1: And there are many places that uh, you know. I, I suppose a lot of that comes down to self confidence, to feeling uh, like if you try and change things, things are going to change. Yeah, uh, And somewhere like Todmorden seems, seems to have that, and somewhere like Totnes, which appears a lot in the book, seems to have that, and Brixton. In places that don't have that, uh, if you, did you come across examples where that happened, or is it more inevitable to be more top-down in, the, in, in places like that?
0: I think it's more difficult, it's more challenging, um, and that's not surprising. But if if you look at where change has happened in the past, one, one of the places that I went to in researching my book was Rochdale. Now, Rochdale was the home of the cooperative movement. And the Rochdale pioneers, the first cooperative society in Rochdale was created by a small bunch of people saving up small bun- uh, amounts of money over a sustained period of time. In order to do something that was completely ridiculed when it started, um, the the creation of the first cooperative shop was, was laughed out of court, but they stuck with it. and And I think I think it it is the the question of patience and time. In the more difficult places, it takes longer, and it helps. It obviously helps if you have um, a government, uh, central or local, that's affirmative and that that puts its investment in to match the investment of local people. So um, I think where where we see things going wrong is where uh, you only have investment by government and official bodies. So uh, you look at the regeneration program that took place in a lot of places in the um, 1990s, in the early 2000s. And you've got big amounts of money, relatively speaking, coming in. But but the legacy is actually quite limited, because once the funding stops, the activity stops. So you need to find ways of actually um, using the funding that's available to enhance local activity and to invest not just in places, but in people, in the people who are going to invest their lives in those places and, and stick around for the long term.
1: You wrote, it's time to raise a glass to the new economy because it's the best hope for our high streets. Mm. What is the new economy for you and what does it look like?
0: It's, um, I mean, that, that that's very much... Uh, a blanket phrase that covers a multitude of things and and I, I, I think trying to nail down the new economy too specifically um, is, is a problem. We, we do need to keep it open but what what I think are the characteristics of what I call the new economy is first of all relinking production and consumption. And the illustration I gave in the book was of um, the, the growth over the last few years of small breweries. Um, you know, it's not just because I like beer, but it's, um, but actually if you look at the brewing industry, the way that the big brewers uh, in many places have closed down and small ones um, craft breweries owned by local people and, and creating local character... Um, that that's really important to, to to see how that that reconnection of products and place is happening. So that's the first thing that I think is important about the new economy. I think the second thing is that is much more peer to peer. That that it involves a lot more sharing of knowledge, of space, um, a lot more collaboration, a lot less um, emphasis on commercialization. and. I think the the third thing that's really important is that it has a social purpose often as well as a commercial purpose. So, uh, that sense that the values that are being created and, and being uh, exploited through business are not just the values of financial gain, but the values of creating goods, pla- good places, creating great products, and creating a sense of community and society. And I think that you'll find a lot of people, a lot of entrepreneurs, whether they're entrepreneurs in traditional business or whether they're entrepreneurs in social enterprise, which is not-for-profit, who actually have uh, that sense of civic and social value as well as the sense of running a good business. And and I I think it's time to actually bring those business values to the fore and to say loud and clear to the people who who, who see our town centres purely in terms of big development, of big brand retailers, that actually there are different ways of doing business. So I, I'm not anti-business. I'm for different kinds of business and different ways of doing business and business that actually works for the people and not a business that is about extracting value from places and appropriating it into the pockets of, of the few. Uh,
1: speaking of that, I don't know if uh, did you see the well, you must have done because it was in New Start magazine. Actually, the, the stuff from Preston, the work that Preston Council have been doing. Yes, uh, which is which feels like a remarkable. I, I did an interview last week with one of the councillors there. Uh, uh, amazing how they're sort of rethinking about how they're going to do how they're going to work. You know, really designing. Designing a local authority around the multiplier effect really really fascinating. Yeah, yeah, yeah and, and the, the the sense that I got very strongly from your book, which I thought was brilliant, was the was a sense that this is this is an idea. You know, the ideas that you were just discussing then and that are in the book feel to me like they are growing very quickly, and something like the work in Preston is a really amazing example of those ideas that three or four years ago were sort of the the work of sort of localism radicals mm. all of a sudden is underpinning how a, how a city council not only thinks about its procurement but also where it invests its pension funds and so on and so on do you have a sense that that this is something which is growing as well is is that something that you share do you think we are far away how far away are we from this becoming a kind of a a much more mainstream way of looking at local economies.
0: Um, I think it's really difficult to tell. Uh, I I tend to be cautious in the I've been around for long enough to see lots of people who say such and such is the next big thing, and then then it withers. Uh, and we we are actually working in a very hostile climate. I don't think we need to underestimate that.
1: Mm.
0: However. I think there is a genuine sense in many places that it is time for a change, time for a change in what we value. And I think that, that's that's the really crucial thing. That's what underpins all these experiments. So what's happening in Preston is about saying there are different ways of valuing what we do in the city. So it's not just about big development. It's not just about big new shopping centers. It's not about the traditional Inward investment where you expect some big new employer to solve all, all your problems. It is about recreating the networks and structures that enable civic life to flourish. And I think there is a real appetite for that. And and I, th- I, th- and I think there are still in many places the resources to enable that to happen. I, th- I think we what we need to see is people... Um, stepping up to the plate, who are who are not just within local authorities and the public sector, not just within the voluntary sector, but actually the the private individuals who are prepared to say, "I'm going to put some of my own wealth, some of my own assets into this," because uh, we we want to see places that are good for our children and our grandchildren. And if you look back to the kind of um, municipal. Growth of the of Victorian cities, you find that there's there's a huge amount of reinvestment in places by people who are making money in those places, and I, and I think we're not really seeing that in the same way at the moment. So we need to see we need to be able to say to the uh, the individuals who are property owners who are who are making money from the places that we live in so the businesses that are making money from the places that we live in look you've got a responsibility here as well you should be working with us to reinvest in these places and 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 i think that that reinvestment from the private sector is is needed to match the new thinking that's going on in communities and in the public sector parts of the public sector and in the voluntary sector
1: and a, a lot of communities up and down the country rather than being able to focus on the great things they'd like to be able to do, end up rallying around trying to stop awful crap developments yes. from going ahead. I wonder from, from the research you did for the book, what your, um, what you learned about the best ways to resist uh, development like that? What, what suggestions you might give to communities facing something like that?
0: Yeah, well, of, often people don't come together until there's a crisis. So I think the first bit of advice is come together when there's not a crisis. Start start looking ahead because the developers, the you know, particularly the supermarkets, they are looking ahead all the time. They're saying what what bit of land can we can we get hold of? What pub that is currently flourishing and and, and serving the community might we be able to turn into a new store? Um, you know, what, what are the places that we could be occupying and colonizing? And, and I think we need to we need to start the reverse of that process, where uh, as concerned citizens we get together, um, particularly through organisations like development trusts, to say to identify what are the places that we need to keep for our local community, and how can we get hold of them? How can we start to make sure that, that property those public places are managed for the benefit of the community and I, th- I, th- I think you actually need to be as active as the community level to, to start doing that um, as as the supermarkets are in scouting out land uh, in order to really start to to create change and we're a very very long way from that you know there are a few examples of local organizations that have managed to to start owning uh, public assets or or landmark buildings and and turning them into places that are really useful and valuable for the community again. But but we're we're a long way from uh, from seeing that happen at a significant scale.
1: And how important is it that communities uh, start to um, own assets, own and manage assets?
0: I, th- I think it's crucially important. Not, I mean, it's 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 a difficult thing to do, because um, it involves all all sorts of skills, and and often the assets that are most of value to communities are ones that need a lot of investment, a lot of physical investment. But if you look at the pattern of property ownership around the country, you'll you'll see that increasingly um, places cannot be. Improved for local people because of who owns them. So, so you had the same issue in Totnes with with Costa. You know, the, the people who wanted to sell to Costa were actually based in London. Their property owners were based in London. They had no particular interest in Totnes as a place at all, and and we we see that being repeated across the country. That ownership is actually distant from the place, and and people who rent out and sell commercial property are, are, are doing it without any knowledge and without any concern for the future of those towns and cities. So how, how, how do we turn that round? Uh, I think you have to do it by starting to put property in the hands of local people. And one of the examples I used in the book is um, Letchworth Garden City, which was actually the um, place that was created to uh, fulfil Ebenezer Howard's Garden City vision. People talk about garden cities all the time now in a kind of romanticized way. But the really crucial thing about Letchworth was actually property ownership. It wasn't, it wasn't just that it was a very green space. It was that the property was owned for the benefit of the community. And even now, you'll find that the Letchworth Garden City Heritage Foundation uh, runs the commercial property in the center of the town in order to reinvest in Letchworth. Now, how do you retrofit that kind of model to other towns? That's more difficult, but it's not impossible. Mm. And I think part of that is finding the strategic places that need to be kept um, for the benefit of the public. So where where are the places in, in our towns where you can start to take action? And it might just be one property. But from that, you might be able to expand. So there's, um, there's an organisation in North Wales called Gallery Carnarvon, which, um, which has started to buy up a number of properties around the town. And, and, and after a while, you can see how that patchwork might start to change the way that the town looks and feels and, and, and start to change the economic flows within the space. But it will take time. It will, it will, you know, the, some of the best examples that are around there, places like Coin Street on the south bank of River Thames in London, um, places like Westway Development Trust in West London, you know, they've taken 30, 40 years to, to reach a point where they're now successful and where they're, um, where, where they're property owners to be reckoned with in their own right. So so it, it is going to take time, but I think, it, I think it is important because otherwise... Uh, whatever community organizations do within their towns is going to be vulnerable by somebody else coming in buying up those assets and then using them for purposes that that are not beneficial to local people.
1: You mentioned uh, totness uh, which is which appears quite regularly in the book and yes uh, and Brixton as well. Uh, I wondered what it was that you saw in the places that were that we're doing transition that was particularly of uh, of interest to you?
0: I think one of the things that the transition movement does incredibly well is to bring together the long-term challenge of climate change as an overarching um, impetus for action with small action at a local level, small-scale experiments which are practical, which, um, which resonate with local people that look as if they're doable, and that, that can engage people um, at, at, at a practical and meaningful level. So uh, I, th- I think a lot of the talk about climate change uh, is quite disempowering in that it is all so big and so complicated, and, and it looks so difficult to do anything about. And I think what the transition movement actually does really, really well is connect up the big issues and the local issues, and to show you that change can happen at a local level. I mean, I think um, I think there there is something in the middle that still needs to be explored, which is how how do you um, how do you bring that transition thinking into the spaces within cities and uh, governments where decisions are being taken. Uh, and uh, because i th- I, th- I think that that will start to to turn the tide and you know the, and and so far um I think there there is still quite a lot of work to be done to uh, to impact on those institutions and to change the way those that institutions behave. But I think what what transition does really well is to show that local people can make a difference at a local level. Uh, and, and that you can start to do it in ways where you can see the economic flows can start to change you can start to reconnect producers and consumers you can start to say um, we can eat our food in different ways we can choose our shopping in different ways we, uh, we can rearrange our economy in order to reinvest in the locality And uh, so I, th- I think what, what tr- the transition movement is doing really well is acting as a forerunner in order to show what the possibilities are, uh, we now need others to start taking up that thinking and that action at a, a wider scale. Um, how's the book been received? Um, remarkably well, I think, uh, in that, um, I mean, I've, it's only recently been published, but uh, in yeah, the events that I've done, um, which have been. In Wales and Scotland and Northern Ireland and and Birmingham, so far, um, people have been very warm, very responsive. Um, I I, ha- I haven't had the amount of flack I was expecting, and I need to, to start taking it into the um, um, the corridors of some of the landowning institutions and some of the you know, some of the people who who will be more. Offended by what I'm going to say, I think, because uh, um, yeah, I don't just want to preach to the converted. I, I actually want to to start to uh, have have a real conversation and a real engagement going on. But uh, but I've, I think people have have certainly warmed to what I've been saying in the book, and uh, I hope that it's going to be something that inspires all sorts of action. What kind of action it will be, I, I've no idea. But um, but yeah, that. That's the, the great thing about producing something like this, that you can, you can write it and then you can put it out there and then so other people can do with it what they will and hopefully they'll do something with it and use it to, um, to make connections, to, to challenge people where they, they want to, um, to see things done differently and to, uh, to believe in the possibility of change. I think that's, that's the really important thing.